You're just picking up quite a lot of sound for some reason. Testing. Well, I was fiddling with the mic stand. Uh-huh. Still picking up sound. Still picking up sound. Now, when I talk... Ah, there we go. There, you were fiddling with it. That's why. Yeah. You moron. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit mean, isn't it? That is a little bit mean. Right. Yeah. It's Halloween after all. You know, it's not It's not a time for being mean, though, is it? No, it's time for being frightening, you twat. <laughs> Welcome to the Gaps of Knowledge podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm a geographer that knows nothing about history. I'm Will, I'm a historian who knows nothing about geography. And on this week's episode, I'm going to be hopping over to the Isle of Man to see how they celebrate Halloween and see also what they do with their pumpkins after they finish with them. And I'm going to say yes, yes, murder some children, and then just ruin everyone's day. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> just, just a quick warning here. If you are eating or you have a sensitive <laughs> stomach, maybe skip this episode. Yeah, my segments are no food no nan zone so <laughs> be warned oh dear <laughs> so you try there we go you tried to do some funny wordplay with misconception do you want to tell the boys and girls what you tried to do with it funny is uh, miscorpception corner it's miscorpception corner you're welcome <laughs> nice <laughs> Okay, so my misconception corner, I have a question for you. Um, and it is, what do people carve for Halloween on the Isle of Man? Ooh, okay. Uh, cats with no tails. Cats with no... <laughs> all I know about the Isle of Man and motorbikes. So it's what? one of those two. So, okay, I, the second, latter, the motorbikes I get. <laughs> what, cats with no tails? I have no yeah, idea. Manx cats, they don't have tails. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Tailless cats. Oh, I've learned something new already, and it's well, my own go. bit here. It's spooky, isn't it? <laughs> um, so you're, you're going with motorbikes. You carve motorbikes. Yeah. Aluminium coat. That's yeah. incorrect, actually. Oh. <laughs> but I can see the, the logic, even though... Well, yeah, you know one thing about that place. That means that place is all about that one thing. That's true. Do you know the capital of Isle of Man? Uh, oh, is it Douglas? It is Douglas. Well done. Mm. <laughs> Very good. But do you know, what would be the, what, what answer am I aiming for you here? <laughs> like, oh, Some kind on. of vegetable. You want me to say pumpkin? Yeah, you, you, you're you wrong, wrong right. if you say pumpkin. Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> but what, now it is obviously a vegetable. Mm. What type of vegetable could also be, I always think they could be quite scary linked as well. Well, for some reason, I'm thinking turnip. He's on it, yeah. It's turnips. It's turnips. It's turnips. It? Absolutely nice. turnips. So, um, yeah, they carve turnips on the Isle of Man for Halloween, which I think is quite cool. That's uh, quite cool. But they ha- they don't call it Halloween in um, Isle of Man. You'd get slapped on the face if you called it Halloween. <laughs> uh, they call it. So this is the thing, right? They call it Hoptune. 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 Right. But this is. I, I was reading an article about hop, uh, Hoptune, but it's spelled H O P dash T-U dash N-A-A. Okay. So it sounds like hot tuna. Hot tuna. <laughs> but if you say that, you have to leave the island, yeah, I think. Yes, face and then have to leave. Yeah, yeah. You'd, be, you'd be told to go away. No, but it's, it's, an, it's an old traditional um, Celtic festival of um, Samhain, which is the start of the winter period, mm-hmm. which is what they're celebrating. And uh, it's the longest unbroken uh, old tradition on the Isle of Man. <laughs> Nice. Which is quite cool. That's cool. Yeah, so they keep doing it. But it has it has changed a little bit and they do the, for example, the turnip thing is a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. Um but uh they they kind of it's kind of similar to Halloween in the sense that in, in Hop Tune, they they the kids instead of carving pumpkins, they carve 
make turnip lam- lanterns, which are called moots. <laughs> a moot. Which are, That's a moot, nice. Which is quite a cool, yeah. cool word, a moot. Um, and then they sing, there's lots of these hop tune Halloween style songs that they sing to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, it's slightly different to what the rest of the British Isles will celebrate with Halloween. Or I suppose Halloween has been kind of Americanized in that it's mm-hmm. very American kind of uh, commercial like Christmas I suppose as mm-hmm. well um, but uh, no but it's a very old tradition which has kept going forever in the Isle of Man and uh, only the turnip has um, recently appeared since the 19th century because before that it wasn't even a vegetable in the Isle of Man uh-huh. so it then adopted the, so what I, were they carving back in the day <laughs> I don't know I don't, I don't think anything they were doing they were doing other things back in the day and right. I'll get onto that oh dear <laughs> because it's mental right <laughs> but it's the, the carving of turnip Turnips is definitely something which is more tame uh-huh. compared to what they've got up to and still get up to for celebrating Hop Tune. Um, but they, yeah, they, they just sing songs. It's like a regular Halloween festival where the kids carve turnips and they walk around with these lanterns and knock on doors and, and do a very similar approach. However, and <laughs> this is something I kind of um, I kind of want to talk about because I was reading about this. I thought, yeah, it's just kind of Halloween, what we do in the UK, but they call it Hop Tune and carve turnips. And then I read something else. My God. <laughs> okay. So they do other things about, they try and predict the future or predict the weather from Hop Tune going into It's already time. taken a turn that I'm very much enjoying. Yeah. I'm on board. I'm in. <laughs> Can you wait? <laughs> they do some particularly peculiar things. It's all about predicting the future and predicting the future. That's the time mm-hmm. of the year, but you use your surroundings to try and identify what your future is going to be. It's like palm reading, but for Halloween style. It's a okay. bit odd. So what they do, <laughs> there is something called a sodag valu. Okay. And a sodag valu is translated to a dumb cake. So a cake has been <laughs> has been made and it has to be eaten and made in silence. Oh, okay. Dumb as in you can't talk. <laughs> exactly that. Not dumb, dumb as in you thick. can't talk. Right. That's quite weird. That is strange. It gets weirder. Yeah. <laughs> the cake was divided up and eaten in silence and still without speaking, all who had eaten it went to bed, walking backwards, expecting and hoping to see the future husband in a dream or vision. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But if, presumably they're not all in the same house or something. Like, well, this is what I imagine. Walk backwards through the town, through your own front door. Yeah, I, well, that way in my, in my mind's eye, I imagine it was made in the family and they'd eat it in silence. And since someone finished, they'd mm-hmm. just walk backwards to their beds. But if it's to see their husband... Oh, yeah. Then that would be a bit awkward if the wife sees her future husband and he's not sat next to her. That is odd, she's eating it? the dumb cake, but she can't then say anything. No. They're Terrence. Like perpetually jinxed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just imagine also like like zombie walking, but backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zombies go back into the grave. <laughs> like that's kind of what this is. Very strange. Um, that's weird, isn't it? That is odd. Do you want to hear something else that's weird? Yeah. There's a bit more yeah. <laughs> to what they celebrate Hop Tuesday. Other activities to get up to. So other activities was to steal a salt herring from a neighbour, roast it over the fire, eat it again in silence, and again retire to bed. Well, that's not a custom. That's just theft. Exactly right. <laughs> what? But then if everyone does it, then that means you've just basically passed your herring on to the person to the right. Pretty much what it is. Just yeah. pass the parcel, but with a salted herring. Yeah. And then 
roasting it over your own. You haven't got to steal someone else's fire, I assume. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then, why is everyone silent? Yeah, this is what I don't That's know. That's the weird thing. It's a weird thing to do it in silence. This it kind is. of thing, because I, 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 I don't know. It's, it just feels to me like it, in Hop Tune in Isle of Man. If they actually, if everyone in Isle of Man did this all at the same time, you just it felt like a massive liminal space where every, it should be noisy and people talking, but it's just dead silence and people just walking backwards and eating cake. The only sound you hear is somebody walking backwards into a tailless cat. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> you, you, couldn't do, you couldn't do the MotoGP no. <laughs> at that time. It's a little bit too noisy. A little bit. <laughs> um, there was a bit more to that, actually. Uh, or, or retire to bed or to hold water in your mouth and a pinch of salt in each hand as you listen to a neighbour's conversation, whereupon the first name mentioned would be that of your future spouse. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's not how anything works. No, but that's what, what you, that's what you do in Hop Juno in the Isle of Man. That's so all three of these are just getting the locals to shut up, essentially. Yes, essentially. Yeah. Sick of it the whole year. No, here's our custom. You just shut up for the evening. But here's the thing. This, they've been silent, and they, but then they have to listen to their neighbour. Uh huh. That doesn't work. If, they, if everyone doesn't. is being silent, you can't hear the conversation of your neighbour if they're also being silent, listening maybe to you. Unless it's like French oral exams where you get a five minute slot and then your neighbour uh -huh. has to be silent and get some salt and a. Oh, is it timetable? Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a memo that gets delivered around Douglas exactly. and everyone has to f follow it. <laughs> and then who's the last person left? Like, that's the loser. And the loser, exactly. Yeah, there's they one each year. Smacked in the face and kicked off the kicked island. Kicked off the island because they said hop tuna. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hop tuna. Isle of Man festival, carving turnips, walking around in silence and uh, eating cake and listening to neighbours. I like that because it's not... None of those are actually frightening, but taken together, they are very weird. Yeah. Very, very strange. Very strange. Uh, are we going to be doing that? Do you think, which reckon we can adopt that over here in Germany? <laughs> Just get everyone to shut up for a bit. <laughs> be nice. Quite peaceful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I got a sip of tea and listen to you trick me now. My miscorpception Mis corner. Miscorpception corner. Ooh. That, that was the corner. <laughs> I didn't spat tea everywhere with that then. Whoops. <laughs> so my question for you is, what is a Ouija board for? Oh, no. That's So, firstly, it's spelled yes, yes, isn't it? This is... It is. But that's not, that's a misconception in itself. That's oh, not where fuck. the word comes from. Right, okay. It was the first word that the inventor of the Ouija board found on the Ouija board was Ouija. So he called it Ouija board. I see. Yeah. Okay, right. So the Ouija board. So we've so, already had one. <laughs> pardon? We've already had one misconception. Misconception, yeah, we can't keep going. So, mm. okay. So my, so, um, what was it originally used for? That's I imagine it wasn't really, so the obvious one here is it was used to contact the dead. Which is actually true. Oh really? Yeah. So you've dodged the misconception because because can I just say can I can I go back and get yeah. caught? Because <laughs> I initially thought it was uh, it's just a general family board game. That's the misconception. That's the misconception. That's the misconception. Okay. Exactly. Do yeah. I get double points or do I lose my point? For I think you lost a point for falling into yes, yes, and then you got a point back. So okay. you're currently pointless. Pointless, as well, we all are. I'm happy. What <laughs> well, Pythagoras would have said, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the misconception that people think that the Ouija board is just a board game, but it's not. It's definitely for contacting the dead. That's what people have always thought they've been doing with it. Ah. And people have always done weird writing things to contact the dead, kind of automatic 
classic writing where you go into some kind of a trance and then see what you come up with. Uh, it's been around in China for almost a thousand years uh, and it's still practiced in some forms called Fuji writing. Uh -huh. But this is slightly different because with a Ouija board, of course, you're not writing, you're moving a little kind of glass or a palette or something around the board. That's it. I realised I did the hand action, but we're on a podcast and so no one saw that. Not a visual medium, really. <laughs> Good try. Thank you. But the, the reason, Ouija boards in themselves, that misconception, they're kind of interesting. I mean, it's obviously nonsense, but the reason why I want to talk about them is because of the whole movement of spiritualism, which Ouija boards are linked to. Mm. Have you heard of spiritualism? Is it spiritualism? Is this the contact in the dead mediums, Derek Okora, who actually came out to be a bit of a false guy? And all, exactly. Yeah, but that, yes. that, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Derek Okora, false guy, with his <laughs> spirit medium from Ethiopia called Sam, who liked green olives but not black olives. Yeah, yeah that's the, the one. fraud. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Poor Yvette Fielding. She was on that haunted show listening to that tripe the whole time and she was believing all of it. Oh, man. I died to have a lot of time for Derek Okora, even though he is dead now. He but is dead. Oh, yeah, that's not going to stop him. No, that's not going to stop him, no. <laughs> so yeah, that's spiritualism. Do you know where spiritualism comes from? I actually have no idea. Where it comes from was, it is a fraud from its very foundations. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, a couple of sisters called Kate and Maggie Fox in New York State in 1848 got bored one evening and decided to tie an apple to a string and bounce it off the floorboards. Okay. And their mum, who is apparently an idiot, thought that this was a ghost. <laughs> And the reason why she thought it was a ghost is because Maggie Fox later said that she thought we were too stupid to be able to pull off any kind of trick, including tying, a, tying an apple to a string. <laughs> just, just are they from the Isle of Man? <laughs> <laughs> so the mum gets spooked and she calls in the neighbours and the neighbours go, yeah, you probably got a ghost. Somebody probably did a murder in this house. And then oh, wow. word starts to spread and the Fox sisters, Kate and Maggie Fox, uh, realise, hang on a minute, we've got a career here. And their career comes in the form of they move on from the apple on a string trick because you can't really do that in front of a live audience and pretend no, that's pretty it's obvious after a while instead <laughs> what they do is they wear massive dresses that cover their feet and cover their knees and they either click their toe joints like you know oh. how you can crack your knuckles mm. do that with their toe joints or they just knock on a table with their knee from underneath <laughs> and the way they get away with it is that they just simply refuse to let anybody um investigate them oh right they just say no we're not going to do this without our dresses on because we're women and that would be unfeminine and did people lap that up i imagine they did they ate it up like a dog eating its own sick <laughs> they loved it yeah but like, oh. loads of kind of physicians and skeptics were looking at them and going you can she is just knocking on the table here literally all she's doing there's no ghosts but the the normal the hoi polloi the regular population they flipping loved it Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it you from. get these um, these medium readings that people go to mm. so that they can speak to their like dead mother or something like mm -hmm. that. And it's just oh, I've watched a few shows of it, but it's just this kind of a cold reading is actually what it is, and it's just trying to pick up on little nuances or sort of very vague open questions that most people can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how you do it, I think. But I think it is a, it's a genuine skill actually to do something like that. But it also is not speaking to your dead. Mum. It's not. No, it's manipulating someone. <laughs> exactly. For money. Yeah, very much so. Oh, God, when you put it like that, <laughs> it's a I mean, fraud. There, yeah. there is, like, obviously, there is a valuable case for talking through your, your grief with someone. Mm. Don't spend hundreds of pounds on it. No. With some bleached toothed gross 60 year old who's claiming that he's talking to Sam the Ethiopian woman, for example. <laughs> no, if you that. really want to talk to dead people, just read a book. 
That is very true. Very how good. poignant, how wise. Spooky. <laughs> Okay, main part, Will, mm-hmm. and we're going. I'm, I, this is my main part is in kind of in three sections. Okay, because so you've I dismembered I, it like a like a corpse. But yes, exactly. Spooky. Yeah, and we're going to put it together because I have got a pumpkin theory. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you need like a cream for that or something uh, from the no, doctor? <laughs> Okay. Maybe one day, actually, I don't know. <laughs> but actually, you can see, I've just put my notes down because the first thing we are going to talk about is I need to set this up with the audience of a little bit of geographical theory. Okay. Which I don't know if that it's That is frightening. That is frightening. <laughs> That's going to scare a couple of people away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have you heard of anything called uh, positive feedback loops? Yes. I couldn't define it for you, but I've heard of it. Okay, so a positive feedback loop. I want you to imagine that you have a microphone mm-hmm. like we have in front of us now, but we have no output, actually. It's just been recorded into the computer. But if, you, if you're at a rock concert and you have a microphone and you put that in front of the speaker, you get that really horrible, loud squealing noise mm-hmm. because obviously the noise goes into the microphone, which goes back at the speaker and it perpetuates and keeps going and going and getting louder and louder and louder. As it gets louder, it goes into the microphone even louder and so on and it right. amplifies, amplifies it. itself. Yeah, uh-huh. and gets extremely loud. So that is an example of a positive feedback loop. Right. So it's something which amplifies a particular force or an effect mm-hmm. or a process. You with me so far? I am, but I'm not spooked. Okay, right. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> now we're going to link it to that. So that idea also appears in climate. Uh-huh. So we have... Um, well, now climate. I'm really spooked. Now, yeah, right. <laughs> so now we're going to get to the real stuff. <laughs> but um, in in our in our climate, we have uh, positive feedback loops whereby um, accelerated global warming can occur because of positive feedback loops. Right. So there are a couple of examples I can give. Mm -hmm. So for example, we know that, for example, when we have solar radiation, so sunlight going through the Earth's atmosphere, when it hits the ice, ice is white. It reflects off of the ice. because It's called the albedo effect, which I think is a really cool name. That's a cool name. (laughs) And, uh, And that reflects back into space and doesn't heat the Earth. Right. However... The ocean below it is blue, mm-hmm. and there are lots of exposed oceans around the Earth. When the sunlight comes in, it's, it's absorbed by the ocean because it's a darker surface. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the ocean warms up. Mm-hmm. When the ocean warms up, the ice starts to melt. That means there's less ice to, but for the sun to be reflected back into the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and more is absorbed by the Earth. It gets warmer, more ice melts, and so on and so on and so on, until you've got no ice left on the Earth, and it's just a big ocean warming up. It's amplified. It's the process. It amplified the climate forcing, as, mm-hmm. it, as it were. So, the, and the other example you could say is um, we have uh, methane deposits in the ground, particularly in under permafrost, permanently frozen ground. Mm-hmm. And then when the heat warms that up from the from from the solar radiation again, it thaws the the permafrost, releasing methane. That's a greenhouse gas that accelerates the climate uh, global warming. Therefore, it warms up even more, melting more permafrost, releasing more methane. And that's another positive feedback 
loop that exists within climate, which is actually quite terrifying. Yeah, I was kind of after like fairy and goblin stories here. <laughs> no, we went full theory. No, okay, we're going apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. But we, we also what we need to remember, these are natural occurrences in our, mm-hmm. and that's why, that's why our Earth goes through these cycles of warming and, and cooling periods because mm-hmm. of these natural cycles. There is a negative feedback loop which nullifies everything as well. Um, we see that in food chains quite a lot when there's lots of rabbits and not much grass and then there's not much grass so lots of rabbits died and the grass grows back. Mm. When the grass goes back, oh, there's more rabbits now because there's more food and that just keeps cycling on and on and on. Uh, that's a nullifying effect and that's a negative feedback loop. So they always they always exist within, always exist within the globe anyway and all, all, all ecosystems and the way it's all connected together. Um, obviously humans are really making that worse <laughs> and that's what we're going to kind of go on to now, which is uh-huh. great, right? <laughs> so my next question is, um, what do you do with your pumpkins when you finish with them after Halloween? Ooh. Uh, eat the innards, normally uh-huh. in a kind of pasta type deal. And then the outards, uh, we don't really have a food disposal here. So uh, in the UK, I would have composted them, but mm. here, spin them. Yeah. So it's, so what I'm very happy to hear actually is that you you don't try to food waste it so much. You try to use it in its, mm-hmm. its form to try and eat it, Yeah. Um, which is what you should do. But you'd probably be unsurprised to hear your very last suggestion was to bin the rest of it or to mm-hmm. bin it, um, is what the majority of people in the UK and the United States tend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so to put a little bit of value on this, um, the Atlantic, the, the journalist, people, um, they published and said that it's estimated that over 1 billion billion pounds, so that's the weight, of pumpkin are left to rot in landfills each year in the US. That's a lot. (laughs) And that is a huge amount of pumpkin. And and what really gets me of this, that's 30.3 million tonnes of food waste to begin with. And in the UK, 8 million pumpkins are thrown out in the UK uh, in 2021. That was the last stat, actually. Wow. Which is like, what what I can't understand about this really is, firstly, how do people not know how to use a pumpkin for food? Mm -hmm. That really baffles me. Mm -hmm. That really baffles me. It's not hard. But no, it's not hard at all. But secondly, (laughs) secondly, like, it's like buying lots of apples mm. and then throwing them away, like put for decoration for a bit, and then chuck them out. Yeah. Or it's oh, if you really want to take a sweet tooth approach, it's like buying loads of bourbon biscuits, yeah. making a Stonehenge out of it, and then throwing and them then away, chucking it away. Yeah. Which bourbon Stonehenge is an intriguing idea. You know, I don't know why I came up. I literally, <laughs> just thought <of> that now. <laughs> chucking it away is, is worrying. You want to, of course, eat the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, it, and it's something which is a huge problem because um, when they're left to rot in um, landfills, we've already mentioned the gas, but they re- uh, produce significant amounts of methane when they rot. The same what comes right. out of cow farts. Mm-hmm. It's that stuff. And the thing with methane is that people always talk about carbon uh, dioxide going to the atmosphere and that being a huge problem, which it is a huge problem. Um, However, methane as a greenhouse gas is 20 times more effective at reflecting heat back to our earth than uh, a carbon dioxide um, particle. Right. So you don't need, so you need 
uh, 20, meth- uh, 20 methane particles to every one carbon dioxide mm-hmm. particle. So it's much worse. I think the worst one is like CFCs, carbofluorocarbons that mm-hmm. come out of spray cans, mm-hmm. which are 120 times more uh, effective at reflecting heat back to earth. That's the worst one. Quite a lot. That's quite a lot. So your aerosol, if you use a spray on aerosol and you buy those, unfortunately they have them in it. So maybe go to a roll on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is my advice. Um, but then pumpkins, when they rot, they produce methane. Um, and it's, um, oh, I've got them. It's 25 times more. This is what the Atlantic says. I thought it was 20, somewhere between 20 and 25 mm-hmm. more effective at reflecting greenhouse gas emissions back to earth. Um, so it's a huge problem. And as we know with the greenhouse effect, I mean, I'm going to quickly summarize the greenhouse effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, or should I test you? Do you what do you know about the greenhouse effect? Uh, it's like a greenhouse, isn't it? Put tomatoes <laughs> in it, they warm up. It's like a greenhouse. Something like it? that. Um, it is. Well, it's the more, the more kind of particles, greenhouse particles or molecules that we emit into the atmosphere creates kind of a blanket around the world. Yes. And we're like, we're giving ourselves a big Dutch oven. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's, that's pretty much it. So... The other, the other, the other, one of the biggest misconception corner again is that people think global warming is to do with the ozone layer and mm-hmm. that being open. Yeah, it's a problem. So that's you. just another horrific way we're trying to destroy ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. It yeah. hovers about a, a big, one of a big ozone that hovers around France, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's quite a big hole that is repairing, actually. Um, hmm. But that only contributes to increased amount of uh, ultraviolet rays. So you right. get burned. Right. Like, but the global warming effect is basically having all these particles released in the atmosphere. They create a blanket which is reflected once again once the sun has gone through it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is a methane and a carbon dioxide particle. When this when the sun brings a sunlight ray through to the earth, it goes through that particle. Right. Unfortunately, because it's long wave radiation. Right. When it hits the ground and reflects back nice. up, it's short wave radiation and then right. can reflect back off of a particle. Right. So it's one way in, but can't get out. Okay. Cause I, I always thought it was heating up the particles like heating up the duvet from the outside, but it's not. No, it's, it's trapping the radiation. It's trapping the heat down below. Well, that's substantially worse. It is substantially worse. <laughs> and the problem is, if we have rotting billions of pounds on 8.8 billion in the year, rotting pumpkins releasing mm. significant amounts of methane, it is contributing so much to our to the greenhouse gas emissions. And as we know, with increased uh, greenhouse gas emissions, climate change has an impact. And one of the biggest uh, biggest threats or biggest impacts of climate change, sorry, is firstly we would have increased uh, rainfall in some areas. Mm-hmm. There'll be some uh, it, um, increased sea level rise. But the one I want to talk about is increased levels of drought, uh-huh. which is which happens. Like we've just come out of a huge heat wave over the over the summer. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting come out. Uh, well, <laughs> you say that. <laughs> It's still not far off shorts weather here. No. On it, the 31st of October. No, and what, what's it? Yeah, it was 24 degrees, I think, yesterday. Yeah. Which is out of unprecedented, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this idea of drought is where my last section of my pumpkin theory comes in. Mm-hmm. So I've got a pumpkin theory. Now, um, in the summer, there was an article um, that was published, I'm sad to say, by... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Saturday by. Oh no, I changed it because it was the sun. To be good with, I can't. I can't. Do, I've got do to find the, the same idea from somewhere else. Sun. Thank <laughs> you. So I got it from the Guardian instead. Okay, it's, it's bit, much more up our alley. Right. It? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there is a. Um, the article was UK faces pumpkin shortage at Halloween after summer of heat waves. Okay. Well, that's kind of good news though. 
it, because that's like the rabbits have eaten too much grass. Yeah, so it's, you could you could actually see it as a nullifying effect, mm, um, which is why I talked about effect. the positive feedback loop because yeah. we're going to link. I want to link it back to that, but. Um, one of the big problems is that uh, there's a farmer called, I love this farmer's name, Guy French. <laughs> That's a good name, isn't That's it? Name. That's a cool name. He runs a uh, folks' farm with his wife, Emily, and uh, they've said that the drought has had a knock-on effect on yield of their pumpkins. Mm. And the quality of pumpkin uh, is is good, but there's just not many of them. Um and, and the volume of them has really declined. So that puts a real strain on people wanting to have pumpkins at Halloween, mm-hmm. which you could argue, you could argue and say, well, that's good because that means less rotting in landfills. But actually, the real problem here is, is that this guy and his guy, <laughs> guy French, guy the guy, yeah. he's he's lost a significant amount of income from mm. this, and also a lot of his farmland is uh, unarable, like because mm. of the drought. That's uh, because potentially of the pumpkins that he sold in the previous year. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of self-perpetuating in, in that sense. And it's not just that alone. I, I totally understand that, but mm, it's, it's a, a small piece factor. of the jigsaw. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I was leading on to with this was, um, it's this huge kind of, of, of this knock-on effect of people selling pumpkins and then people throwing them out, therefore mm. releasing methane gas, therefore causing drought, meaning there are less pumpkins in the next year. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you could say, yeah, it's just pumpkins though, that's fine. But actually, the biggest thing is, a lot of pumpkins in farms, they use all that space for pumpkin growth because it's a very popular commodity to buy at that time of year. Mm-hmm. And actually, because of that, a lot of it isn't technically for food because people don't use it the pumpkin after for food. They use it just to throw away. Mm-hmm. So technically, what that means is he's growing a produce which is not for food. He's growing it for not like for non-food. So he's growing it for something because you biofuels, for example, is another example of that where you yeah. grow it not for food, it's for something else. Yeah. But this is literally just for entertainment for decoration. or decoration. Yeah. It's where, like growing holly for Christmas wreaths or yeah, something. Exactly yeah. that. And so as a result of that, that space that's not being used for general food consumption or calorie consumption. Mm. And then the fact that they're be rotting and causing a drought, which means you can't use that space at all anymore for for food consumption is really worrying, mm-hmm. which is, sorry if this has got really gloomy, but it is Halloween after <laughs> it all. It is Halloween, it's spooky time. <laughs> but I Hope do want to kind yourself. of end on a, on, a, on a little bit of hope because mm. in my number time, we're going to link what we can do with pumpkins right. and what people do with pumpkins. Excellent. You have some recipes. Yeah, well, not actually one recipe, <laughs> but actually there's a lot more it's things people do with pumpkins that. which might surprise you. Um. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Right. Ghouls, demons, villains. That's what I'm talking about today. Okay. Um, and start off with some modern ghouls. Elon Musk, Kanye West, Facebook. We all love a good fall from grace, don't we? Absolutely. I've been particularly enjoying Kanye West's fall from grace because mm-hmm. it's so funny. Like six months ago, billionaire fashion designer now literally being escorted out of buildings. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I, it, it, there's, something, there's something where if there's someone that's got to fame that you don't like... And then they fall back down again. There's it's something good. very, it's very good, satisfying about that. And like with Facebook in particular, it feels like in the third Lord of the Rings film where they start killing the massive elephants, mm. just 
the whole thing's coming down. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Falls from Grace is what I'm talking about today. And I'm going to tell you about one spectacular fall from Grace. Oh, from I'm night excited by this. Called Gilles de Rey, who is French, as you can guess. Yeah. Um, I would argue that no one really has ever fallen from grace quite so far and quite so fast as Monsieur Gilles de Rey. Let me tell you why. Uh, this is so exciting. The height of his um, life came in the 1420s okay. when he was France's hero. He was leading battles. He was the kind of idiot who would charge head on into the English and doesn't care if he dies and slaughters about 50 people whilst everyone else is looking around going, ooh la la, that's a bit dangerous. And he was so uh, renowned that he was given the title of a marshal of France, which is given to like 20 people every hundred years. It's super, super rare. Oh. And he was leading battles with Joan of Arc. He was like Joan of Arc's oh, wow. right-hand man. He's <laughs> a serious hero of history. Um, and he could, if he wanted to, have retired in about 1430 to a nice life of just hunting, feasting, and just living large. That sounds brilliant. Amounts of money. I'm, you, I'm assuming he didn't do that. Well, the trouble is, <laughs> he had the unfortunate personality trait of being absolutely mental. Oh, oh yeah. And the first way in which his mentalness <laughs> decided to appear was he wrote a play. And the oh. play was called The Mystery of the Siege of Orléans. Okay. And this play is 20,000 lines long. Now, <laughs> to put that into context, Hamlet, which is Shakespeare's longest play, is 4,000 lines long. Oh my God. Hamlet takes four hours to play. This you, play is five times as long as So that. you've got to book a hotel, come back, exactly. take your sleeping bag. This is a full day thing. <laughs> and he knows it's a full day thing because when he puts it on, he pays for all the food and drink for everyone there. Oh, so wow. they can just sit there for literally the entire day watching his play. It had 140 speaking parts. It had 500 extras. It had 600 different costumes. And every night he put it on, they had to remake the costumes. Why? Well, because he's mental. Because he's mental. I was about to say, it's not like a gaps in knowledge episode until the costumes bit. <laughs> 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 and trouble is, this costs a lot of money. Of course. So he has to sell all of his estates, all of his castles, all of his money that he earned from fighting the English in the Hundred Years' War. Oh. Sells all of it except for two. But that doesn't bloody stop him. Um, by the way, the play was crap. I was well. about to say, he must have been pretty confident in his own ability to, with this play. Confidence and mental illness go hand in hand. They do, don't they? You're They're right. very closely aligned. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh. So... Once the play was over, his family realised if he does this again, then we are done. We are just paupers. We have no money. So they get the king and the king of France, Charles VII, goes to Gilles de Rey and he says, you need to stop this. In fact, no, I'm going to make you stop this. You are no longer allowed by law to sell any more of your houses. As banned. If anybody tries oh. to buy a house off you, then they go to prison. Oh my God. Similarly, you're not allowed to enter into contract with anybody. You just cannot sign contracts anymore. You're banned from signing contracts. <laughs> so I love that law. It's good, isn't it? What a law that is. Someone that you person. can't sell your assets. Okay. Yeah. Like it's illegal for you. So, but what I like about it is rather than it being, if you try to sell as you go to prison, it's the person who's trying to buy it or go to prison. Yeah, it's not your fault. <laughs> It's their fault for going near you. Yeah. So no one was allowed to enter into business with him. He had very little money, but um, he has still this great hunger for power and glory because he was France's great hero. We're mm. talking like Horatio Nelson or Arthur Wellington's, like a serious hero of France. Oh. So 
His Amdram dream may well be over, but he has more niche pursuits that he's going to pursue. Okay. In 1438, he starts putting out messages to ask for court alchemists and demon summoners to come to his castle. <laughs> Takes a bit does. of a turn. Of course, of course he does. does. Of course he does. He's mental. Well, why, That's why what do? Yeah. This is why you can't trust anybody who does amateur dramatics, by the way, because they're one step away from alchemy. Right. And demon summoning. So he spends huge amounts of gold on demon summoners because they're just going to ignore the law because they're summoning demons. Yeah. Right? They're already going to prison. So he uh, sets up a kind of demon summoning pentagram in his basement. And, you know, the classic kind of barrier of sand that demon can't cross and runes and everything like Mm -hmm. that. And the big pentagram on the floor. Uh, And he tries it once and nothing happens. And he tries it twice and nothing happens. Yeah. Third time... Nothing happened. Oh, really? Even the third yes, time? even the third time. Oh, I was yeah. expecting something, but no. No. So he decides not... Well, the sensible conclusion would, of course, be, this is bonkers. I'm going to go and get a proper job. Yeah, that would be the wise decision to make, but, but we know that he's mental. We know that he's mental. The Gilles de Rey solution <laughs> is, hmm, why not get some body parts of innocent children and see if that does the job? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> I, I, I mean, the logic is clear, surely. Yeah, uh, yeah I just needed to just need iron it out. <laughs> well, you can't summon a demon, so you need the blood of the innocent. That's fair, fair, but actually, do you know what? He's got, has some waiting. I Pure see, blood. See the pragmatism exactly. in it. <laughs> Pure blood. So, first child that we know for sure that he murdered was a 12-year-old apprentice from the local village. Awesome, absolutely. And the way that he um, did it was he, he sent down to the, it was a furrier, a guy who deals with, Furs, I think, um, sent down to him and said, can I borrow your apprentice? I need to send a message off to another village. So the apprentice goes up and enters the gates and is simply never heard from again. Oh. And more and more local children start disappearing. And then children from a bit further away start disappearing. And then children from all over France start disappearing. Oh, Jesus. And but nobody really knows where they're going. I mean, it's medieval Europe. People die in accidents all the time. They could have drowned in a bog. They could have um, suffered a broken leg in the forest and just yeah. died there. Nobody... You, you said, but I remember fingers. you talked about medieval Europe being an absolute dreadful place to live and anything, you know, your life is always <laughs> yeah. at risk. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like what? camping, but you don't go home at the end. Oh, yeah, God. It's miserable. <laughs> um, but the problem is, Gilles makes quite a crucial mistake in 1440. He, so about two years after the, the summoning rituals, he gets a bit reckless and he gets into an argument with a priest. And we've all been there. You've been in an argument with your local priest. Yeah, yeah, of course. What you normally do is just leave it alone. Yeah. That's because you're not Gilles de Ray. What Gilles de Ray does is he kidnaps the priest and starts torturing him. <laughs> now, what? you can kidnap children. Kidnapping children, absolutely fine. You can, do you know what? You can quote me on that. Kidnapping children, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, fine. Uh, just snip that there. Anyone ever want to use that line and uh, <laughs> <laughs> can use it in evidence or whatever. <laughs> but, but make sure you include this bit in the evidence. What you mustn't do is kidnap priests. No. And that's no. Whoa, bad. whoa, yeah. Take it. That's we one the step line. too far. Yeah, because then the church come after you and that's exactly what happened. Oh, you don't want that to happen. You do not want that to happen. Absolutely not. So the Catholic church send all their might against Gilles de Rey and they take him to prison and they put him on trial. And what that means is they torture the absolute shit out of him. Right. And as they torture him, they get information about what the hell has been going on this whole time. I just want to, has he been doing this operation alone? No. Aha. Uh-huh. Not at all. 
What has happened is in his big castle, which is in the middle of nowhere, far away from the local villages, it is that spooky haunted castle on the hill that you're thinking of. Right. That's the one. The one that when you don't go near it, just don't, don't, just go, don't go near, near that it. castle. It's yeah. like, it's etched in our DNA. Do not go near this <laughs> castle because this guy's in it. Well, yeah. here's why you don't go near that castle. You would dress him up the boys and girls that he kidnapped. It was almost always boys, but sometimes girls as well. He would dress them up in the finest clothes, okay. the finest furs and kind of gold lace and fancy clothes. And then they'd have a great big feast, a huge feast with all the food and all the wine and all the Hippocras, which is mulled wine. Oh, wow. Uh, that the, the, the kids could take. It sounds splendid. Yep. <laughs> so far. <laughs> and then, I mean, and if you put yourselves into the mind of this child, like imagine you're this little apprentice boy who you live in a, in a hut. It's like a wooden hut, maybe some stone walls, but it's freezing cold in there. There's one room, it's stinking, yeah. it's dirty. The food you eat is almost always bread. You can never wash your hands, so the bread's always covered in mud. It's, it's oh. a really miserable life. It's camping. Yeah, that and is now camping. <laughs> you get a feast. It's like going to Little Chef after going camping. Yes, yeah, on the, the way back feet. down on the, on, the, on, the M, on the M2, you yeah, just pop over. <laughs> exactly. It's a taste of heaven. And and Gilles knew this and he, he enjoyed seeing their faces light up. And then he would say to them, do you want to go on the tour of the castle? Let me show you around the castle. It's an incredible place. I oh, love it. That's... And the kid, who is pissed, don't forget, he's, oh, he's full he's, of wine. He's on the wine. Yeah, he's on We've the wine. We've got a drunk 12-year-old on our hands here. Yeah. <laughs> He would, of course, go along and they would kind of wander around the castle and look in the great halls and look in the chapel and then they'd go up into the tower and Jill would follow them into the tower and he would take particular pleasure in opening the door behind the child and seeing the child's face go from a massive grin to a look of absolute horror because at the top of the tower was a torture chamber. Oh, no. And it is the torture chamber that you are imagining. Cold stone walls, cold stone floors, blood everywhere that's exactly you're describing my mind's eye image Ropes, there of that hooks yeah the knives lot. butchers sets aprons the lot it's it is the torture chamber of your nightmares oh god for sure and what he would do is in this torture chamber would be his accomplices who were a couple of his most trusted servants most of the servants weren't allowed up in this tower but two or three were and those servants would grab the child and they would strip the child naked they'd hang him up by ropes They'd sexually abuse them in the most horrific ways. Oh. And then they'd murder them. And the way they'd murder them would be a horrific way, by dismemberment, by decapitation, that kind of thing. That's awful. Really, really nasty. And in his own confession, um, when he was put on trial, Gilles stated, when the children were dead, he would kiss them. And those who had the most handsome limbs and heads, he would hold them up to admire them. Oh, you can picture him like holding up oh. the child's head by its hair, twisting it in the light to look into its dead Jesus. eyes. He had their bodies cruelly cut open and took delight at the sight of their inner organs. And at this point, I'm realizing I probably should have warned the listeners not to eat during this bit of the That's episode. That's very good. I'm just thinking this took, no, I mean, it was dark as it was as soon as, <laughs> as soon as we entered the torture chamber. Well, uh, even, actually, even then, I'm like, maybe it's sort of slightly heavy, but no, we went full whack. We Now we're going, yeah, we're going straight down to the depths of hell here. Just as a fair warning, my number time is substantially worse. So, oh, anyway, gosh. the rest of that quote was... I'm going to need a shower after this one. <laughs> um, very often when the children were dying, he would sit on their stomachs and take pleasure in watching them die. That's, this guy is... The, the madness is not... That's light. That's generous to say it's, he's it's mad. 
amateur dramatics. I'm telling you, oh. don't trust him. You can't <laughs> trust him. Is that? Oh, I so, can see why he thought his plate was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the bodies were burnt and the ashes were scattered into the moat, and so very few remains were ever found. We don't know how many people he killed. Certainly over a hundred. Um, oh somewhere God. between 100 and 200 for sure. Some people say anywhere near as many as 600. That's insane. So one of the most prolific serial killers ever, um, this guy Gilles de Rey. And they were almost all boys and they were all between the ages of 6 to 18. Um, Jesus. And the, the justice that he got was he was sentenced to death and he was burned and hanged at the same time. <laughs> Double Which whammy. I kind of like. Yeah, I think I think that's the least that they could do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the death sentence is kind of final. You can't make it worse, but burning and hanging someone. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, do that. Do that. I think, yeah, if that was put to a vote all of France, I think 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So in terms of kind of falls from grace of a great hero, I mean, that's, that's going from ex one extreme to the other. Yeah. Like literally one extreme to the other. An absolute yeah. hero of a whole nation to an absolute prick, twat, murdering yeah. serial killer, moron, madhead. And if you see it in the, the eyes of the people at the time, he was talking with Joan of Arc, who talked to God. That was her whole deal. Well, exactly. She yeah. literally talked he to had God. A, he had a line to, his line Direct manager line was God. to the boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he turns into the devil. Jesus. It's a, a hell of a story. Yeah, yeah. man. I've, I don't know what to do with that information now, but it's going <laughs> to stick with me for a very, very long time. <laughs> You're welcome. Happy Halloween. <laughs> My poor old grand's going to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's going to get worse. Oh dear. Oh well. Don't, just, do you know what? Reese's grand, just stop listening now. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Stop listening after my number time because you yeah, have no idea what to do with pumpkins. That's true. That's a good point. Um, okay. So shall we jump straight into number time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my number is 2,359. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put the clue as <laughs> right. Two, three, five, nine seeds in a pumpkin. Oh, that's it. Oh, it's not. That's a really cool. Okay. I I didn't even think that was possible. Not, yeah, no, it's not that. No. That's you've, a... Somehow you've thrown me there. I can't think of any way to put a number in that together apart from the real answer. And you found the way. That would be a lot of seeds though. That would be a lot of seeds. And it would also be a very oddly specific number of seeds. It would be, wouldn't for it? every single pumpkin to have the same number of seeds. It would be, yeah. Mm. But it's not, therefore that's not, not the answer. No, that is nonsense. Um, so... Do you want the, um, the extra clue. clue? Yeah. So the extra clue is consumption. Uh, okay. Do you know what? I'm talking about consumption in my number time, but I think it's a different kind of consumption that I'm going to be okay. telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> um, stop listening then, Reese's Nan. Uh, <laughs> two, three, five, nine pumpkins are consumed every minute. Oh, on the 31st of October. That's a, well, based on my last one, they're probably not. But they're probably not. No. They're thrown away. Every <laughs> they're thrown minute. away. It's not the answer. But actually, in at the in an average size pumpkin, and mm. out of all pumpkins, are the average size, I think it's like a kilo or something. Or no, five kilos or something like that. Quite heavy. It contains two thousand three hundred and fifty-nine calories. Okay. Huh. Now yeah. that's 
Right. Now, of course, my immediate thought was that's about a day's worth of calories. Yeah. But that's a miserable day's worth that's of calories. Absolute, yeah, it's a miserable day's worth of calories. You've been Eat just eating the whole pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> it. You just cut the, the, stalk, the top of the stalk bit and you just get a spoon and you just go for it. That sounds like something they do on the Isle of Man. <laughs> it probably you is. You silently. In silence. And then you see the yeah. person who'll kill you or something. Yeah. yeah. And... And, and when you when you eat it, whatever the letters at the bottom of the cumbin you've made by accident is the first name of your future spouse. That's it. Yeah, I think that's how it works. <laughs> well, I want to go to the Island Man on uh, on Halloween now. Or Hapchune. I've got to get that right. Hapchune. Yeah. yeah. No, but the reason I say it is because um, we, we're talking about ways in which uh, you could use pumpkins after that you've use them for Halloween. You and, are. I'm talking about dismembering children. Jesus. These, <laughs> I've I mean, got a different tone I, to this episode. Absolutely. I'm just thinking that actually. To, like, pump, I thought I was quite battled with global warming and the end of food for everyone in the UK and the world beyond. And I was just told to bring the spook. Yeah. I brought the spook. You, I mean, <laughs> um, you brought the spoon. I brought the spook. That's it. I, I'm, I'm still I'm sorry. gobsmacked by your. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> traumatized by your one. It's putting me off balance. But then that's what history is about. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, so consuming ha- pumpkins. So yeah, consuming. Yeah. What do you do with your? How would you make a pumpkin? How would you? Put, how would you make a pumpkin? No. I'd, <laughs> how would you use well, a, a mummy pumpkin and a daddy pumpkin? Love each other very much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, roast it normally. Roast it and then mm-hmm. blend it to make a sauce. Yeah, and then use that on pasta and stuff. There's That's actually really delicious to, to do, do that. Yeah. yeah. Super simple, like a bit of olive oil, roast it for 50 minutes in the oven, bada bing, bada boom. Perfect. Yeah. So you, so you have an idea of what you do with pumpkins, but yeah. yeah so you can roast the seeds, you can, you can make soups, you can put them mm-hmm. in pies, pumpkin pie is mm-hmm. quite a popular one. Um, but there are other ways in which people around the world have disposed of their pumpkins in interesting <laughs> ways, uh, but fun and interesting ways. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so <laughs> would you like to hear some? Of course I would. Uh, so firstly, actually, this is a simple one uh, in that people should, be using the seeds, the, the what you thought were 2,000 or so inside a pumpkin, um, you can actually grow your own pumpkins. Well, If you have arable land near you, there's nothing stopping you. Ah, right. Okay. There's nothing stopping you trying to grow pumpkins. But people have them there. <laughs> That's true. It's not like the CIA going to come <laughs> barge in and shoot you. It's not yes. bananas in Guatemala. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> come rushing in. You can't be growing pumpkins here. This is... This is <laughs> Uh, can you imagine the espionage behind that? <laughs> Just the, <laughs> secret they, pumpkin grows with massive coats. Yeah, opening it up and they got a huge Hokkaido under there. We're in the pumpkin department of the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> They're dressed in orange or something like that. Anyway, we diverge <laughs> a little bit there. But yeah, one of the easy ones is you could grow the pumpkin seeds and then mm-hmm. for the pumpkin. So what do you do with the pumpkin? So. In this is all America, by the way. Of course, <laughs> clear. In Illinois, uh, the recycling and composting uh, nonprofit organization called Scarce, uh, they host a one-day pumpkin collection after Halloween, which is quite good. And they collect from thirty-one sites, uh, and they collect them uh, um, from churches, libraries, schools, and parks, and so on. And they save about two hundred and fifty-four tons of pumpkins from landfills. Um, and then what they uh, they say you can also because they have water content, you can. 
uh, because they're recycled and composted back into the soil, mm -hmm. you save about 12,000 gallons of water. I realise I'm using the American unit. I have no idea what that is. No, nor do I. Is gallon like four pints, I think? Something like that. So about two litres. Yeah. Okay. I bet someone will correct us, but they probably won't. Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> I actually don't know. But, nobody knows. But that's the, this is the most, this, this is quite a good one. So they have, there's an actual way, a, char a non-charitable organisation that, that do this and they go and collect all, all pumpkins mm -hmm. and save quite a lot, which is quite good. And then yeah. they, they put them back into the soil. It's nice. Nice. In, uh, in Tucson, in Arizona. Is that you say Tuscan, but they, they say Tucson, don't yeah, they? Yeah, Tucson. Tucson, uh, Arizona. Residents enjoy the spectacle of pumpkins getting flung into the air via giant slings. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Uh, that's a very simple form of entertainment, but I'm on board with it. I, I think I think if I saw that, I'd be like, this is firstly very American. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Secondly, that's brilliant. I'm staying here for that. And thirdly, I shouldn't be enjoying this, but hell I am. You are. It's like a wet firework. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Like a wet fire. Yeah. And I could ooh. <laughs> that's exactly what that then is. Then you have to have someone to shoot it at the top. But it's America. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's one way. And then I think when it lands, they put it in a field where it just decomposes. It goes back into the soil. Right. So that's, you know, make arable land by flinging pumpkins in the air. That is an excuse for making a mess. Yeah, What are you doing? I'm putting it back in the soil. <laughs> just in a, just uh, no, you're not. You smash your watermelon with a hammer. Yeah, well, yeah. It's going in the soil, isn't it? I mean, you can't argue with that logic. It's no. just, you, you just, yeah. It's a top gear way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it also happens in Newton, Massachusetts, uh, but they use pumpkins for baseball and target practice. <laughs> so shooting it with guns. Right. And hitting it. Trying to, and hitting it with a baseball bat, not it, trying to throw it. Like, I trying to pitch a pumpkin. That's what I was kind of imagining. Like, maybe a smaller squash-sized pumpkin. But throwing a full-size five-kilo pumpkin. Yeah. Just pitching it at them. And good. Good arm practice. Yeah. yeah strong arm. Get some curve on that. I feel the big gloves you need if you're going to play that game. <laughs> okay. Big wipe down gloves. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 so that, again, very American way of, of, of disposing of pumpkins. Absolutely. That's a brand new sentence, I think. <laughs> um, so it, uh, when Hudson Rivers Park, so Hudson Rivers in New York, mm. um, Community Compost Program, which is a brilliant name. That is. <laughs> it's very literal. Like held its first pumpkin smashing event last year in New York City. And it's, of course it's pumpkin smashing, smashing pumpkins. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. I hope that's what they were playing. Like, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Just really maudlin 90s music whilst you take a bat to a pumpkin. Absolutely. 500 people, to be exact. <laughs> Breaking down a thousand pounds worth of organic waste. Wow. <laughs> exactly what they were doing. That is very strange. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the other way in Washington, D.C. is something called a compost cab, which I quite like, the compost okay. cab. Um, and in 2008, he collected five tons of pumpkins, 3,000 pounds of which went to hunger fighting groups. So it was mm -hmm. a... For collection for reuse for actual making food, which That's is good. which is great actually. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Um, not saying the others aren't, but <laughs> this actually starving people. Let's give us some food that's free at the moment. No, that is a little bit better than just wailing on it with a baseball bat. To be fair. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody's really gaining from that. No, no, no. It's the calorie, the, the two thousand three hundred and fifty nine calories are being wasted, also being put back into the ground again. Yeah, that's, yeah. which is a metaphor, uh, as a euphemism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's not. It's it's the it's the not the long term thought there, is it? It's uh, it's just let's hit it with a baseball bat as quickly as we can. Yeah, it's smash just it up. Angry society doing whatever it can. Maybe it's good yeah. therapeutic sort of activity. Do you know what? If that's your therapy, <laughs> then I guess fine. <laughs> I guess if it stops you hitting people with baseball bats. Yeah, I mean that might be a good thing. 
Um, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm sure it is a good thing. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> yeah. No, no, let's hedge our bets here. Maybe sometimes hitting people with baseball bats can be beneficial. Yeah. Maybe the guy you just spoke about Maybe last time. Maybe exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there was also the same group, the Compost Cab. They do they run classes about how to educate families and children on how to cook pumpkins. Mm-hmm. That's which, nice. is, which is nice, but I suppose it's good to raise awareness of not to throw them away. Mm-hmm. But I'm all, I wonder how many people in America actually know pumpkin is a food. <laughs> genuinely, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm. See, I reckon people genuinely don't realise mm-hmm. it's a lot. Of, I'm sure most people do, but there would be a, a small percentage mm-hmm. who don't realise that it's a food thing. But even if they do, how do you get the food out of it? Yeah, right. I mean, that, to be fair, it's, it's quite it's challenging. Not straightforward. Yeah, you've got to know what you're doing. Yeah, but. Only in the same way that, like, to use stairs, you have to know what you're doing. That is true. Like, because you, it's yeah, not yeah. that hard. No, and yeah, once you know how to use it once, you that's it forever. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pumpkin. The stairs of the squash fans. But I was just thinking, if they don't know how to do it, they should go to New York with a hint of baseball bats. Because that's, you can that's access you it that food way. Out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, was it the stairs? The stairs of squash fruit. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm a little bit obsessed whenever we go to the UK. They don't have them in Germany much, but you know the the kind of the tagline for fruit and veg, like blueberries, refreshing and succulent. Oh yeah, well, who comes up with those? That's someone's job, isn't it? It's like naming hurricanes. Yeah, which is a real job, by the way. Well, weird, <laughs> very strange. Yeah, but yeah. Like strawberries, succulent and delicious. It's always the same three words. Yeah, just in various <laughs> orders of different fruits attached. Yeah. It's an easy job, isn't it, really? Yeah. Then, and you just yeah. want someone, if it's on an, on an advert, someone with a very pretty voice just to read it out mm-hmm. and quite, you know, obsequiously <laughs> read, read them the out. stairs of squash. <laughs> we said millions. Well, I hope, <laughs> yeah. but no, they won't actually. No, they won't because they don't exist anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. Because we... Smash too many of them. <laughs> the last one which I have here, which is um there's one organization in uh, Montana Missoula um typical American names, so annoying. Missoula Montana. Missoula Montana. Missoula Montana and nice. Little Rock, Arkansas. What they do, um I know they're two different places by the way, but they do it they do these things in this, these places. <laughs> and that is uh they go around and collect all of the pumpkins and they give them to local zoos for food. Nice. Which is quite cool. Give them to the zoos. Yeah. yeah. So, and for other local farm, so animals can eat them. Excellent. So there, you know, there's lots of little ways in which you can try and get rid of your pumpkins. I just want to, before we go into Will's monstrosity number time, which I don't know what it's about yet, but I'm terrified. Just think about what you're doing with your pumpkins after you celebrate Halloween, please. And if you happen to be listening in July, still think about still it, think please. About it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of those American names, I was watching some American football day before yesterday. Hmm. Came across two of the most remarkable names. Oh, go on. One was something like Latavius Brains. A fantastic name. What? Latavius this is the name of Brain. player? Yeah. Latavius Brains. Latavius Brains. Yeah. Great name. And then one of the big, fat, kind of six foot eight, 300 pound monsters were called Tank Bigsby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to call my child Tank, please. And he's going to be a monster. And, well, that works. Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby. There is that is some corking names. I do love the Americans sometimes. That's, that is they're very American. That, yeah, but they're there. It's their own. I, I, I still think it's amazing they speak our language or the same mm-hmm. language as us, mm-hmm. and they're they definitely don't speak our language. No, they don't speak our language. No. But culturally. It's so different. Strange. I I think they have no idea what they're doing, but bloody hell are they going to do it? 
Absolutely. So yeah. It's great. Bigger is better all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> Tank Bigsbyism. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Tank Bigsbyism. <laughs> Let's coin that phrase. I'm happy with that one. <laughs> Well, if only we could leave the episode on such a high note, ladies I'm and gentlemen, so I'm about to terrified. ruin your days. Um, genuinely, genuinely don't listen to this whilst you're eating. This is, um, <laughs> this is borderline, to be honest. Okay, I'm, I'm terrified. We may have to edit this out. Right, Got let this. me tell you the story of Count Karl Tanzler von Kostel. His name alone is... It's a bad start, his, isn't it? His name alone. He was born in Dresden, which again is not making No, that's not better. good reading. In 1877. So we've kind of got a trifecta of shit. This is Victorian <laughs> era. Yes. Okay. Um, and he, he actually ends up in America. He moves to Florida in 1926. And he was a radiologist. So he worked in a hospital on x-rays. Oh, I, oh okay. <laughs> now, where you think is going, that's like the Shire compared to the absolute pits of Mordor that we're going to. God. What you're thinking of? What I'm thinking of is is um, a particular event that happened in 1986 in Chernobyl. It's the uh-huh. first thing I thought of when you said that. And right. the poor Belarusian firefighters that are at the scene when the reactor exploded and skin oh. knowing off their faces. Those Belarusian firefighters, we're talking kind of like, that's like Bilbo's party. That's like a good bloody <laughs> oh time God. compared to where that we're was, going. And that's one of the most disgusting things I've ever read. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay, I'm ready. So, when he was a child, he dreamt that one of his ancestors, called the Countess Anna Constatia von Korsel, would come to him and she would reveal to him the face of his true love. And he had this dream over and over again. He would see the face of his true love revealed in his dreams. And she was an exotic looking dark haired woman, is the description. So kind of Italian, Spanish, that kind of thing. Now, he gets married, he has two children, he moves to Florida. And when he's working as a radiologist in Florida in 1930, he meets the woman literally of his dreams. She's called Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos, or Elena is what we'll call her. Elena. Uh, unfortunately for him, she's also married. Ah. Double unfortunately for him, he met her at work. Ah. He works as a radiologist. She didn't work as a radiologist. She was a patient. She had really severe tuberculosis or consumption, which is why I mentioned it before. Okay. And in fact, she died only 18 months after they first met. Oh, that's sad for him. Sad. Yeah. Well, except they never had a relationship. But yeah, but I can see why if he's, this is my dream girl or what I think is my dream girl, I can see why that would be sad for him because that's now just going to be a memory. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Or is it? Oh, no. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Uh, seriously, people, stop eating. So, um, Tansler, like a mental, paid for her funeral and paid for her mausoleum. Not her family, not her husband. Okay. He paid for it. Uh, and he would go there every single night to her mausoleum. Uh, what his wife and his two children made of all of this, by the way, we have no idea. Because by this point, they were living up the other end of Florida. So yeah. they were separated. What's the other end? Oh, I say the other end of Florida because... Uh, where he's down in the south. They're up in the north. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So he's visiting her mausoleum every night. Uh, and one evening in 1933, about 18 months after she's died, he decides that visiting her grave isn't enough. Okay. He breaks in. He steals the corpse. Huh? He wheels it home in a little tiny toy truck. And oh, he puts it in his bed. Huh. 
And because she's been dead for 18 months, oh. this is your final warning, people. This oh. is your final warning. Oh, this is... Because she's been dead for 18 months, he has to start putting her back together. Oh. And the way he does it is he gets some piano wire and uses that to string her bones back together because the ligaments have all rotted away. I thought you, should, I thought, I thought you were going to say to make a puppet out of her. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh, Reese. Oh, Reese. Um, oh, so, yeah, he's, he's strung her, her bones back together so they're not going to fall apart. He's um, Her eyes have obviously rotted away because she's been dead for 18 months. So holes in fills head. them with glass eyes. So she's okay. got glass eyes now. Mm. Uh, as the skin starts to rot off, uh. he replaces it with plaster. And uh. there is a photo of this that you can see on the oh, really? if you want to. Yep, it is frightening okay <laughs> funnily enough it's Halloween it's any, if there's any time of year to do it it's now it's, it's right now <laughs> yeah uh, and because her organs uh, have rotted and her rib cage is empty to stop that from collapsing he fills her cavity as it's called with rags so that she's still got some S kind of structure okay to her as her hair fell out he collected it all and made a wig which he then put back on her body and Apparently, he would buy huge amounts of perfume to cover up the stench. I'm sure in the uh, in the room because she's dead. She's, she's dead. very firmly dead. Uh, anything yes. rotten stinks. Yes. And uh, just to stop you here now, um, I my friends are, are police officers uh, uh -huh. and all worked in the area, but I'm, I've also known one person who was a paramedic, and they have all described to me at least once what a smelling dead body is like, mm -hmm. and they said. Firstly, it's like something that's gone up your nose and trying to rip your brain out. <laughs> but it is is what they say. It's one of those smells which you think you'll be okay with, but you've never smelled anything like it before mm -hmm. when it's like it's rotten like that. And if you've never smelled it before, you can never imagine it. Mm -hmm. You have to experience it once and you never want to ever experience it again. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine why he's bought tons of perfume. To yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, it's the kind of thing that evolutionarily speaking, we are designed to find the most revulsive. Just shouldn't go near dead bodies. There's yeah, nothing good to be gained from going near dead bodies. It's just no. disease, essentially. Just, oh. Unless... You'll count Karl Tanzler von Kostel, of course. Of course. And so he spends about seven years sleeping with this dead body oh in his my bed God. next to him. <laughs> And in 1940, about seven years later, his sister, uh, Elena's sister, sorry, not his sister, but the, the sister of the woman, um, here's some rumours from the local area that his house smells terrible. And apparently late at night, he's been forgetting to close the curtains. And so the neighbours have heard him playing the organ and then he'll put on a record and they've seen him dancing through his uh, bedroom. Oh my God. With someone who doesn't look particularly alive oh. over and over again. So oh she goes, fuck this, I'm getting the police. Yeah, and the police I think are that's sent probably in. a good idea. Absolutely the correct thing to do. And they find the body of Elena in his bed seven years later. Oh, and the bed itself, I just can't imagine. It's not going to be good, is it? Oh. Um, and he's arrested. Of course. Of course. Uh, he's not sent to prison, though. He's sent to a mental asylum. Okay. Because they decide he's... Yeah. First of all, the crime he's committed, desecrating a corpse, it doesn't carry that big of a sentence. And secondly, he's mental. He's absolutely mental. He's lost is that, his is marbles. This, is this the word exhuming a corpse? Is that the right word there? Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah, to exhume it is to take it out of the ground and then to desecrate it is to mess about with it. And boy, <laughs> is he messed about with it. Really? So, he's playing the organ with it. So... <laughs> 
Let me do. Let me give you a quick question. You are a 1940s American. Okay. You are the coroner, in fact, and you are in charge of deciding what to do with this body. Do you a bury it respectfully, mm. or do you b earn a shite load of money by putting it on display for the locals? America, capitalism, definitely the latter. Correct. <laughs> 7,000 people saw it within the first week of it being on display. How many? 7,000. 7, yes. How much did he charge? <laughs> Do you know, I didn't record that. Oh, didn't, didn't find that out. But, but he would have made some bucks. He would have made some money, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the era of Mike the Headless Chicken, if you remember yeah, from the previous episode. So, like, we've got Netflix. They've got dancing corpses and headless chickens. Of course, what's not to love? I think I would go and see it just because that's just mental. I mean, there's nothing ever like that. That's the thing. It is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. But then so is, like, jumping in front of a train is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Is, yeah, that is also true. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me just ruin your day, though, because before they put the body on display, of course, they carry out an autopsy. And what they find is what oh, I've told God, you I already. God, that might have happened. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, the autopsy is carried out by loads of doctors for some reason, two of whom have decent names. Well, one's called Dr. Foraker, which is quite a good That's name. That's cool. The other one's called Dr. DePoo, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great name. That's funny because he's got poo in his exactly. name. Exactly. <laughs> DePoo, Dr. DePoo. Hello, my name is Hank DePoo. <laughs> <laughs> Americans. Anyway, um, the reason why I tried to make you laugh there is because what I'm going to tell you is probably going to ruin your life. What they find is that in between her legs, he had inserted a tube and that tube had shown much sign of use. Oh. Yes, he'd been having sex with the corpse. So he was not, not, not narcolepsy. Narcolep no, not narcoleptic. Not narcoleptic. No. What's it? Um, necrophiliac. Necrophiliac. He Sorry, was this. almost certainly a necrophiliac. <laughs> necrophiliac. Yes. Oh my God. For seven years. Oh, a nice dance tonight, Elena, shall we? Ooh, don't mind if I do. I just, that's in, like... To bed, shall we, Elena? Ooh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> oh my God. For seven years. I've just, in my mind's eye, I've just, I've got a lot of, that's just, I, that's never going to escape me, ever. Good. Because <laughs> it's never escaped me, and now I want to give you the brain worms that I've got. God, it's, well, I suppose there's it's a, only fair. <laughs> there's a little denouement to the story, which is he's only, he only spends four years in the asylum. He's released four years later. Oh, really? Apparently cured. No. I, is he, does he get... <laughs> no. He um, heads back to live closer to his wife and his kids. Not with them. No, because I don't <laughs> think that would happen. I don't think anyone's that forgiving. No. I think even, like, Christ would say, come on, mate. Yeah. There's a limit. But, <laughs> Even I can't the forgive you. Of, well, the, the amount of embarrassment you must feel, because yeah. that's something that's a, that's just a private endeavour that he's involved with, with himself. Yeah. He would, in his mind, thinking no one's ever going to find this out so I can do what I like. But like, there's this point where you, if someone does find that, because he left the curtains open, <laughs> like the embarrassment <laughs> one must feel like... <laughs> I just, yeah, I'd never considered that the the <laughs> sheer kind of do you know when the police arrive he must have been sat there saying do you know what fellas I fucked up yeah <laughs> <laughs> we all know we all know that I fucked up so yeah. let's make this as painless as possible take me to the asylum yeah but, but no someone puts it on display it has the yeah. whole story next to it <laughs> Jesus <laughs> So um, they don't live together, his wife and, and him, but she does do, pop over and kind of look after him as he gets older, which is sweet of her. Okay, that's kind of sorts out his meals. But um, does he break up with Elena? No, he doesn't. The corpse is, of course, unobtainable. There's no way that he's going to be allowed back to go and see her corpse. Right. So instead, he manages to get a copy of her death mask, 
Which do you know what a death mask? No, is? that's news to me. So it's it's quite a common thing before the age of photography. Is you take a plaster cast of someone's face when they die, so mm-hmm. that you can kind of you can see them forever. So right. most of the major figures of history have got death masks. You see Napoleon's death mask. There was a, a famous death mask called the um, the what you call the L'Inconnu du Seine, the the unknown girl of the Seine River, who I'll. You know what, I'll tell you about it in a future date. Yeah, please do. I look forward to that one. People have copies of it in their houses, just like a, in the same way that we have like knickknacks. We just have <laughs> a random dead woman's death mask. Okay, anyway, it sounds grim and awful. Yeah, it's people are mental. Don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. They're very strange. So anyway, he gets Elena's death mask. Is it like, is it like, a, what's the um, taxidermy almost? It's a bit... Kind of, except it's just an imprint. It's a plaster right, cast okay. to the face. See. Yeah, okay. so there's, there is, the macabre thing about it is the impression of a dead face rather than there's nothing physically macabre about him. Okay. Uh, unless you stick it on a life-size doll and then have sex with that doll for the last <laughs> eight years of your life, of course. In which case... It's fucked up. Yeah. And is, are we going down that road? Yeah, that's exactly what he does. Oh, God, he did. Why that's exactly we... what he does. Oh, man. Just how, yeah. that really was his dream girl. It really was. It really was. I don't even know if she had any idea about it when she was alive. Holy she might have just known him as the radiation doctor when she had consumption. That's a good point. She, she barely knew him. None the wiser. Yeah. Very strange. So, and there's a rumor, probably not true. He may have just collapsed of a heart attack, but there's a rumor that when he died, he was found in the arms of this life-size doll with this dead woman's face, <laughs> which is a nice mental image. That's a nice mental on image on this Halloween Monday. Jesus Christ! Okay. Um, I wonder if the listener would have, can ever recover from that. If I wonder if the listener's still there. <laughs> yeah, they might have just we might be literally be talking to, to no one else, else. Yeah. Yeah, at the moment. Yeah, well, I can only apologise. <laughs> yeah, history is grim. It is. As people, people are grim. I think the the weirdest. Nah, not that's not the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing about it is him having sex with the corpse for seven years. Now that's messed up. That is messed up. It's the kind of the having to go through the process of putting in a tube. Like, yeah, yeah. You, there's yeah, there's method to it. You actually have to plan that one out to yeah. make sure it works. You no. see the neighbours in the morning. What are you doing today, Carl? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you got that tube for <laughs> and that hacksaw. Nothing. You don't need to worry about it. <laughs> Sort of make a blowpipe or something. I don't know, you know, just normal Sunday stuff around the Tansler household. <laughs> well, I, I mean, my all my stuff seems very tame. And <laughs> like the apocalypse of climate change seems... Do you know, we kind of deserve it I as think, a species. I think we that. do, actually. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I, for all of humanity. <laughs> yeah. And when, when I when I read stories, I like to think kind of, is there a part of me that could do that kind of thing? Like, is there a part of me that could be Frodo? Is there a part of me that could be like Hamlet? Yeah. Maybe. Is there a part of me that could be Carl Tansler? Absolutely not. <laughs> no way in hell. <laughs> no. <laughs> even... I don't think I could even break into a cemetery, let alone break into a cemetery with a toy truck. Yeah. Let alone I've, put a corpse on detail. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh man. I like to imagine I had a wonky wheel that was squeaking on the way home. And what was his name? It was German. Yeah, of course he's German. Of course he's German. Of course he's <laughs> we live here. We know these people. Jesus, yeah. Carl Tanzler. Carl Tanzler. Well, I'm going to look yeah. at that image and I will regret when I look at it. I know. You will. <laughs> you will. It's, it's not macabre as an image, but for what it signifies, which is just the most fucked up guy. (laughs) 
Well, listener, <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you haven't thrown up on the floor. Or if you have, we're sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why don't you take a photo of it and then tweet it to us? Yes. At Gaps in Knowledge <laughs> Podcast. Or look us up on Facebook. Email gapsandknowledge at outlook.com. And if you want to check us on YouTube, yep. you can do so on uh, just by searching Gaps in Knowledge. And is there one that we've missed? I th- I, did I get the Twitter handle right? I'm not sure. Uh, at Gaps Podcast. At Gaps Podcast. Where we that will see it. everyone's vomit. Yeah, send me a photo of your sick. <laughs> that's another thing you can clip. <laughs> oh, God. For my I'd- file. <laughs> Well, we slid to the end point quite, uh, quite, <laughs> quite seamlessly there, disgustingly on this Halloween special. Exactly. And unlike poor Elena, this podcast will end. It will end. With dignity. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will. Should we call it a day? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-ra. Bye-bye. <laughs>